Welcome, welcome everyone. This is Amy Wenslow with, from Products for Profits here with the Product Business Show. I see we have a bunch of people joining us today. Looks like we have people from around the country. I am so glad that you are getting to join us. The Product Business Show, if you haven't been on this with us before, um, we've been running it actually almost eight years, I realized, over the weekend. So um, it's been our privilege and honor to do this for you and with you for all of that time. The show happens every other Monday, and it's always 11 a.m. Pacific time, so you can certainly join us. And it is specifically your place to come get information about how to run your product as a business or to ask your questions around licensing, sales, distribution, working with factories, all of that. And with the massive influx of products selling through online as well as offline and omni-channel and multi-channel retailing, it becomes super important how we orchestrate our product businesses, right? So we've got a special guest with us today. I'm going to introduce you in just a moment. And we have left time for your questions as well. So here's how it's going to go. We're going to talk with Mike Eugenio from Cellbrite for about 10 minutes here at the beginning, and then we're going to open up the phone lines for your questions to get your concerns answered from someone who has a brilliant background in e-commerce. So with that, um, we're going to dive in and get started here. Um, let's see. Let's just open this up. Who's on the line wants to say a quick hello where you're calling from today? Hi, Amy. This Doris Luna, California. We have Doris Giuseppe from Camarillo. <laughs> yep. Giuseppe. Awesome. Infant tech in the house. Who else is here wants to say a quick hello? Hi, Amy. Oh, I think we've got Mike from Ohio. Wow, I see we've got – here, I'm going to mute the lines because it's – it's a little noisy today, but we've got Ohio, Pennsylvania, California, Florida, New York, Canada, uh, Northern California, Southern California, Washington, Oregon, Texas. Um, wow, and more people are popping in. So this is going to be a really, really good show for you today and a really good conversation. So with that, I'm going to um, open up Mike's line here. So Mike, are you there? Hey, Amy. Can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Awesome. So everyone, just so you understand the brilliance that we uh, have the honor to be associated with today, oh, Mike know is <laughs> Mike, I want to tell people a little bit about your background and who you are um, so they really get a context. Is that okay? Sure. So, Go for it. <laughs> well, um, Mike and I met through a group that we're both involved with that runs an organization and puts on an event in the fall every year. And it has, uh, last year I think there were 22,000 attendees, and his company, Cellbrite, and our company, Products to Profits, are collaborators in putting together events for that Connect Week celebration. And it's all around business. And I've been watching his company, Cellbrite, for a couple of years now. And we connected this past fall and got in a conversation about the value that Cellbrite is creating 
with their customer base and their client base and what they're doing in e-commerce. So Mike has over 12 years background in e-commerce, managed the sales from 20 different websites in his previous um, part of his career, and he and his co-founder um, decided to start Sellbrite after seeing a lot of the problems that happen in the e-commerce space. So um, it's a really intriguing set of circumstances that are happening right now in our culture. Um, obviously, online sales is massive, and with that, keep in mind that right now, I think it's still around 80% of the sales happen offline but are massively influenced by online. So there's really become this multi-channel need and this omni-channel retailing of how do you be in multiple places. So Mike, I want to ask you a couple questions here. Um, so what else about your background would, do you think it's important for people to know? And how did that lead into Cellbrite? Sure. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you for um, offering to have me on the show. I think it's so cool what you do, and your enthusiasm is so apparent and so infectious. And um, there, there really is a huge need in the market for um, more um, people like yourself, although there just aren't many people like yourself. Uh, and I have Aww. a huge smile on my face just listening to people calling in from around the country because it's, it's uh, very clear um, – just how much value you, you can help create um, for all of, uh, you know all of your clients and all of their businesses, um, and super cool. Very thankful that we met and um, you know at Pasadena Connect. And yeah, just to reiterate on that, um, we're both uh, Pasadena locals, um, which was very fortuitous because it allowed us to meet uh, in person. Um, although sunny Southern California is not very sunny right now, it's pouring rain here <laughs> or in the midst of a winter storm. And uh, hopefully you won't hear too much background noise of the, the rain pitter-pattering on our roof, but um, it's coming <laughs> in waves. Um, but yeah, so, so my background, uh, I uh, started my career as a product marketer. Um, I actually was in the beer industry um, before I got into, into e-commerce um, and was fortunate to play a part in launching a big brand here in the U.S. Um, but as that role shifted more to be a uh, kind of a sales-driven role, I realized that some of the creative aspects that I really enjoyed about it were starting to go away, uh, and I looked to uh, find something new, and I, and I fell into e-commerce, because um, the opportunity that I, that I had in e-commerce was working with brands to help them design promotional materials and promotions and merchandising strategies around their products, um, but it was also a little bit more of an analytical position, which kind of su suits me. Um, and I would imagine a lot of a lot of your uh, you know a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are listening, um, understanding what drives performance. Um, so I I got in uh, with a company called CPO Commerce here in Pasadena, um, and like you said, it was a really cool opportunity because their business model was so cool. They worked directly with a bunch of major brands. It was in the home improvement industry, and we're talking brands that sell big, big power tools or. Um, electrical equipment or uh, tankless water heaters. So brands like Bosch and Milwaukee and Makita and Electrolux would partner with us and we would build them their own dedicated website, um, which was a really unique model uh, and something that had not been done, at least in home improvement um, at that time. Um, and my role kind of 
morphed into being more of a buyer because as I worked more and more with the brands to design promotional content, the opportunity to sell more products came up. And so I got to understand the ins and outs of product sourcing, uh, at least from the retailer's standpoint, not necessarily from the manufacturer's standpoint, which I think your, your customers, your clients, uh, you know, listening are, are much more versed in um, than I ever was or will be, uh, you know, what goes into actually sourcing and manufacturing product. Um, but nonetheless, our, our goal was the same on the retail side and the manufacturing side, and that's selling, you know, selling more products. Uh, and, and moving mm-hmm. um, more units and getting more volume and growing the business. Um, and so I learned a lot about how to drive traffic to my own website. Um, but over the years, I realized that more and more sales were happening on marketplaces. Um, and this was back in 2008, 2009, uh, all the way through 2013 when I finally left CPO. Um, but uh, over the course of that time, we uh, went from um, – selling mostly through our own website to becoming a top 30 Amazon and eBay seller. Um, And uh, seeing, again, that business continue to grow very, very fast, while my same store sales on my own website were a little bit more difficult to comp against. Um, Mm -hmm. And the channels themselves, the marketplaces, all presented unique opportunities to merchandise product, um, to run different types of promotions, to take advantage of marketing tools directly on the marketplace. Uh, And so it, it became quite a lot of work to try to coordinate all these things, but at the same time, a necessity and a reality of selling online uh, as of that time. So mm-hmm. I realized that I needed some help in managing sales channels along with my, or excuse me, marketplaces along with my uh, e-commerce stores. Uh, at that time, we were selling on Amazon, eBay, Sears, shop.com, uh, starting to get onto Walmart and, um, and at the same time, there weren't really many tools to help me. So fortunately, we were of a size <laughs> where we had some developers on staff that could help us build integrations and manage things from a central spot. Um, but for the you know, standalone business that's maybe not doing $50, $60 million a year in revenue, that's not a luxury that is, uh, you know, is afforded. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. Tech advantage typically favors the wealthier. Um, so really there was a massive need for better tools for smaller merchants uh, and smaller brands. I met my partner at CPO Commerce and he was involved in helping us expand to those marketplaces. So he, he also realized the challenge from a technical standpoint. Um, and together we started the process of building Cellbrite, which uh, began as a small little product that integrated with fulfillment by Amazon, Amazon's uh, warehousing service and connected mm-hmm. to uh, other marketplaces to allow for automatic fulfillment and sending in of orders so that, you know, as a small brand, you can essentially outsource your fulfillment entirely and still sell your products on more than just Amazon. Uh, so it was a really cool little tool that we built. Uh, and, uh, but the greater vision for Cellbrite has always been a much more robust solution for fully managing your marketplace presence along with your e-commerce store. Um, so mm-hmm. that's my background being in product marketing is that, you know, I'm always thinking about interesting ways to um, promote my own product, which now is a software product. You know, I'm no longer selling physical products, um, but I talk with people every day about it. Um, there's been no, there's no better time in history to start a product based business, which is, again, why it's so amazing to, you know, to have a resource like yourself, Amy, in uh, this show. Um, but we work with brands that are doing, you know, as little as really just getting started all the way up to mm-hmm. 50, 60, $70 million in revenue. But our sweet spot is really in the kind of 
250K you know, to, to $2 million range uh, in terms of the brands that we see that really are starting to hit their first scaling problems and need better tools uh-huh. and are you know, trying to take advantage of more opportunities online. Um, yeah, so that so that's a, you know kind of how my background led into Cellbrite. Um, Cellbrite itself it obviously solves the need of um, helping uh, sell across multiple channels together. We do that by um, trying to build a really simple to use tool that is effectively a a, uh, a product catalog for managing all your product data, um, and uh, with the goal being to help make marketplaces less hard because marketplaces are hard. They're all different. Right. Um, they all have different requirements. Um, and so our goal is to try to standardize selling across multiple marketplaces and give you one spot to manage all of your product content and inventory. Um, right. Yeah. So, so let's let's talk a little bit about this this problem um, of scaling, right? Mm-hmm. Because scaling a business and getting in first first sales is one thing, but scaling it becomes another. And for everybody who's listening, um, when you are trying to work with a large retailer, for example, or um, QVC or something like that, when you're in early sales, they want to see like how quickly you're doing it, how effectively you're doing it. And if you're selling one or two SKUs, it can be really hard to prove that out. So the, the tools and the tactics that we're talking about today are actually really important for you, no matter the stage you're in. And it's really important for you to understand the landscape. So, Mike, um, obviously Amazon is a huge opportunity. And then there's this other part, right, about why is it so important for multi-channel, this phrase that we've been using today, multi-channel, and what does that bring to a product? Yeah, um, well, everybody knows that it's, uh, that Amazon is a great shopping destination, um, but the reality is there are lots of great shopping destinations, and uh, e-commerce in general is really kind of becoming democratized uh, overall. Um, even though there, it may seem like there's some consolidation in terms of the amount of volume that goes to Amazon, um, marketplaces are really popping up everywhere, uh, and a lot of them have very significant scale. Um, but you know, customers are quick to browse around and shop uh, for the best uh, products, the best prices, things that you know get great reviews or think that, that maybe they fit their personal style um, and are, are more tailored for them. Um, and uh, really, you can see this in niche verticals. Um, there are lots of different home improvement-focused marketplaces now. There are recreational activity marketplaces. There are auction sites for more price-sensitive shoppers. Um, and on the retailer or brand side, um, there's a recent study that or a report that suggested that 90% of retailers and brands um, either are currently or are planning to sell on marketplaces in the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that follows suit. Um, it's always more important, uh, increasingly important to try to get as much brand exposure as possible. Um, and having your products listed for sale in more places is, a, is an easy way to do that. It also helps mm-hmm. you drive more future customer acquisition, even if you're not making the sale today. Um, one of the things that we try to really uh, ingrain and coach our, our merchants um, who come to us looking for help with solving this problem is the goal of de-risking their business. And going back to what you said about having two SKUs versus dozens and dozens of SKUs, you know, we, 
we work with merchants of all shapes and sizes. Um, there is no right or wrong way to manage a product-based business. And it also, it kind of depends on what you're doing. If you are the product manufacturer yourself or the brand, or if you're a retailer, you know, in which case a bigger SKU count is typically kind of the norm. Um, but uh, there are, we work with, with brands that are already online on their own branded store and are looking to get onto the marketplaces. We work with brands that are already, say, selling on Amazon and looking to get on Walmart. You know, the specific mm -hmm. use cases vary quite a bit, but the goal is nonetheless generally the same. That is to get more exposure. Uh, and then the goal that I promote is de-risking that business. Because at any time, especially when you're selling on a marketplace, the doors can be shut on you and the lights can be turned off. You are a tenant in somebody else's building. You're, you're not in control of your own, your own uh, fate. Um, you can do right. a lot to ensure that your business is successful, but there is risk. There's always risk. And we get uh, customer messages almost daily saying either something has happened and I, you know, I've been uh, suspended for various reasons or dear Selbright, I've been suspended from Amazon. Can you help me out? You know, as like uh, right. the first thing that we, the first conversation that we have. Um, and in a lot of cases, yes, we can. And it kind of goes back to doing the right things and managing your, your business and, and playing by their rules, uh, making sure that your, uh, you know, everything is in stock that you're selling and that your feedback stores are good. Um, but, but in some cases, no, in some cases, a channel is completely turned off or a marketplace has shut its doors to a, to a brand. Um, and that's, mm -hmm. uh, that can be devastating, especially if you put all your eggs in that basket. And then if you're already selling on um, one marketplace or a second marketplace and you start to get familiar with how it, you know, the process that goes into learning a channel, expanding to a channel, and, it, and it's um, not as difficult to kind of continue that momentum, you put yourself in position to take advantage of new opportunities as they arrive. So, for example, one of the, one of the biggest opportunities out there right now is on Walmart. Walmart is, uh, is really promoting its marketplace very aggressively in all forms of mm -hmm. advertising. Uh, and in particular, they're promoting their two-day shipping program. Free two-day shipping is basically the 2018-2019 version of Amazon Prime. And um, you know, you're, going, you're guaranteed to get significant exposure uh, if you are uh, leveraging those two free, uh, free two-day shipping tags or fast shipping tags as they're known. Um, right. on your listings. It, it, it's a very kind of new program still, but if you aren't familiar with um, or comfortable expanding to a new channel and you don't have your business optimized and ready for that in terms of proper SKU maintenance, you know, having your data all organized and centralized, you're going to miss out on those types of, types of opportunities. So being ready to, I guess, be more agile, in another word, um, mm -hmm. is super, super important because those opportunities can pop up online you know, like we, like I just talked about, they can pop up offline, you know, in the ways that you help a lot of your clients, um, you know, mm -hmm. get access to a deal with a, with a big entity that can help them move, move units quickly offline. Um, but it all comes back to kind of being agile and being ready, which in the e-commerce world means really having a handle on your data and understanding um, the process to go into a new channel. Mm -hmm. And managing your inventory. When you're selling on multiple channels totally. like that, like where is your inv inventory living? Um, how is it getting, that, like the logistics of it, right? It's really, really important. How yeah, it's getting absolutely. pulled from different warehouses and how much do you have on hand? How much is coming in from manufacturers? Especially if you scale quickly, right? Like if the product starts to get legs or when it does, 
being able to really keep um, your eyes on that is really important. And the other thing about managing your channels well that we see is understanding what ad campaigns are working and what ones are duds so that you can double down mm -hmm, on the things sure. that work and, and um, split test your advertising better. So it's a little more advanced strategy yeah, for, yeah, for some of the people yeah, here. But that. yeah, really, really important. So yeah. um, Marketplaces are so buyer-oriented. Um, like you said, you have to keep accurate stock uh, always because overselling in a marketplace environment is very, very bad. You, you're not, none of the marketplaces really promote taking back orders. Um, if they even allow it at all. Um, so making sure that you're in stock, like you said, making sure you have an accurate accurate hand on, um, handle on where, where your inventory currently lives, if it's uh, inbound or on order, um, and uh, making sure you understand and have properly managed multiple fulfillment centers if you're leveraging them. Um, because mm -hmm. your fulfillment strategy does not need to be a, you know, a one single point or method of fulfillment. Uh, and in fact, mm -hmm. one of the things that we often encourage is considering fulfillment by marketplace or by sales channel um, and possibly diversifying that strategy. Um, but yeah, certainly remember always that marketplaces are super buyer-oriented. Buyer and, and really in, in commerce in general today, you've got to be buyer-oriented with everything from your messaging and your fulfillment uh, includes, uh, as well as your uh, back office operations and making sure that trains are running on time there. Mm -hmm. And that you're keeping your sanity while you do it all. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. um, <laughs> you know, I just want to ask you a quick question. Um, what kind of lift do you see for a product that goes from selling in a single platform to now they, they add another marketplace? Can you give us a number, percentage or something? Yeah. Um, well, it, it, it does vary by channel. Not, not every marketplace is considered or is, is equal in terms of um, opportunity, scale, or even type of customer. Um, mm -hmm. But we actually ran a study of our own customers that added one or more marketplaces to their existing e-commerce store business and saw significant lift of, um, in like the 300% range when they expanded to two or more um, marketplaces on top of their e-commerce store, um, which is absolutely incredible. I, I was floored when I mm -hmm. saw that, saw that data. Um, and, you know, I, and it's, it's spread out as well. I, everybody knows that Amazon is a big shopping destination, but um, we process through Sellbrite you know, millions and millions of orders through non-Amazon marketplaces as well. Um, so mm -hmm. if, if you're gung-ho and set on selling on Amazon, that's great. Um, Amazon is a huge opportunity, and it, but it does have its share of challenges, uh, and its rules are very strict, so just be prepared mm -hmm. for that. But know that that's not the only opportunity out there, and so you, don't, you, know, you shouldn't just put all of your eggs in that basket, um, but consider how getting started on marketplaces, maybe you start with Amazon, but really you're preparing your business to add more to your uh, overall portfolio. That's exactly how we recommend doing it because, like you mentioned earlier, Amazon can shut down channels. Any platform can. Any any marketplace can. Mm -hmm. And for that matter, any retailer can too. If, when I say retailer that way, I mean offline. For us, generally, retailer can be anything from a branded website like Walmart.com, Target.com, Home Depot.com. All of that is still part of the retail world, but it's the crossover. So, um 
it's really important to have a backup plan because you don't want to be running a big ad campaign and all of a sudden you, you can't sell because something went sideways. Mm -hmm. So for sure. Um, so before we open up the phone lines here for some questions, do you have any tips for brands or retailers selling to marketplaces? And I want to add in there any of the um, manufacturers and people that are doing the product, basically our listeners. Um, what are some best practices for selling on marketplaces? Yeah, sure. Um, well, again, going back to being buyer oriented uh, and remembering that it's super important that the data that you put uh, on a marketplace is accurate, um, whether that is description and quality or condition of a product um, through to available quantity um, and, uh, and ensuring that you hit your SLAs. So if you offer, uh, you know, free two day shipping or if you're, let's say you're doing uh, selling on Amazon and fulfilling yourself and you want to take advantage of seller fulfilled prime, making sure that you hit those requirements, uh, ship your orders quickly, put your customers first, essentially. And I think that kind of goes mm -hmm. without, without saying today in order to um, really build a brand in particular, which I, I, I believe most of the, the listeners today are, are trying to figure out how to do, um, you know, build a brand that your customers are going to trust. Um, mm -hmm. But I actually had, I actually just um, have been working on an ebook on, uh, tips for getting started selling on marketplaces, really. And, and I think that a lot of these sections here, in fact, I'm hoping to publish this uh, in the next week or two, um, but okay. uh, I'm just going to run through basically a list of um, what goes into the book. So you call this kind of a sneak peek at, at what this book is all about. Um, and it really kind of <laughs> covers top to bottom, um, or rather start to finish, uh, the things that you need to be thinking about as you're expanding onto a marketplace. Um, number one I don't think that this is going to be as big of an issue for our listeners today, but start thinking about SKUs. And what I mean mm -hmm. by that is um, having proper um, catalog management of the items that you're selling, making sure that they have proper SKU numbers that you're comfortable with, that you can identify, and that makes sense uh, you know, in whatever system you're using to track your inventory. You would be uh, shocked, and maybe not, but uh, I think you would be quite surprised at the number of brands and retailers that not only aren't using SKUs, but don't even really understand the point of SKUs. And that's right. often one of the biggest learning curves that we work with um, new, new Cellbrite uh, customers to help overcome uh, is to implement mm -hmm. a proper SKU system. Mike, we actually run SKU databases for many of our clients. When we're doing packaging, we're frequently the ones doing the UPC code, doing the SKU, doing the numbering protocol so that you can actually pull mm -hmm good information like what's your top selling color of something, you know, or across yeah. the line. So it is really important super, because it gives you a lot of, lot of ways to it's drive your product development. It's not going to create value for you day one. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's not going to create value for you day one. It's not going to get you your first sale sooner, but it will make your life so much less stressful in the future and it will allow you to really scale if you have a handle on that stuff. Yeah, um, that's why so it's a it's foundation one of the least, piece. One of the least sexy Exactly. One of the least sexy things in e-commerce, probably the most important. Um, number two on this list is planning your fulfillment strategy. So going back to what I said earlier, you can have a single fulfillment strategy, and that's totally fine, but it's not the only uh, option. 
And it's not as hard as you might think to add a secondary fulfillment strategy or a channel specific fulfillment strategy. So, uh, you know, I think most sellers are aware of, of FBA today using Amazon's warehouses to your benefit, which can be really valuable for Amazon, but does get more expensive as you fulfill other channels using Amazon's warehouse, which you can do mm -hmm. and you can fully automate um, if you use Sellbrite or, you know, you can even do it manually to get started. Um, but there are other like marketplace specific fulfillment strategies that often work better for those marketplaces. So for example, we partner with a, um, a third-party logistics company called Deliver to help manage um, fulfillment for Walmart. And Deliver specializes in making sure that you can hit the two-day delivery requirements to qualify for those tags. Um, and it's surprisingly affordable. You really have just some very small kind of volume minimums um, but we see brands all the time that start with products that have no sales currently. And within a couple of months, they're looking at 20, 30, 50 orders a month for a single SKU. So going from zero to like, you know, a decent amount of volume, it, it's pretty shocking. Um, but planning your fulfillment strategy and knowing, you know, what's going to make the most sense for you and not, um, absolutely crush you with overhead, not be too expensive and not stress you out because you don't want to be thinking about fulfillment all day long. Um, it's right. uh, one of those things that if you can automate it as much as possible, then that gives you more time to plan on building your business. And it lets you be more um, reliable. And for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to try to expedite the rest of these because I realize I'm <laughs> talking a little bit in depth on some of these. But <laughs> um, the next thing on the list is just researching your channel options. So, um, and maybe I need to reword that, but basically... There are lots of marketplaces out there beyond just Amazon um, and understanding where products that you sell can be sold, where they, they can be successful uh, and uh, what the pros and cons of each channel are, whether that's uh, unit economics and the cost structure or the marketing tools available on that channel. Um, it's, uh, it's super important to spend some time planning out where you would like to sell and knowing why you want to sell there. Um, after that, playing by the rules. So I think you touched on this earlier and we certainly talked about it with uh, regards to getting your accounts suspended, but every marketplace is gonna have its own rules and you wanna make sure that you follow them because you're not the owner of the building, you're a tenant. And um, you, the last thing you wanna do is forfeit a future selling opportunity because you, you know, didn't have something well in hand or let one of your metrics slip for, uh, you know, there's a variety of reasons why it can happen. Very, very rarely is it due to true negligence. Um, but mm -hmm. nonetheless, the, the channels can be very cold about it when you receive that notice of suspension. Mm -hmm. um, next on, our, on my list is organizing your product data. And we touched on that already. But beyond just your SKU cataloging and the data that you, that's required for fulfillment and purchase order management is all of the data that your customers are going to see. So your imagery your listing descriptions, your features and specs, any custom attributes or um, you know, extended descriptions that kind of bring in your brand, having all of that stuff in one central organized place is super valuable. Uh, and probably one of, the, one of, if not the biggest challenges that most of our customers at Cellbrite deal with uh, is, is trying to pull their data all together. Now, I will say we work with a lot of retailers and resellers as well. And it's much more of a challenge there than it is if you have your own brand. Generally, brands are better at, at having their content because they, you know, created it all and designed their products themselves. So that's a huge advantage. Mm -hmm. 
and a couple on the specific aspects of selling on marketplaces. So first um, is offer free shipping and returns. So this is this could be considered controversial, but it's almost become a, a requirement for ensuring uh -huh. maximum visibility. Um, make sure that you are, uh, and if you need to bake the price of shipping into your product, that's totally fine. And you should test out how that, you know, how sales uh, um, change as you iterate on pricing or uh, increase or decrease by a couple of dollars should certainly test that out. But the shipping itself should be free and you should offer a very flexible return policy in order to maximize uh, conversion rate through selling on your own, your own website, as well as the marketplaces. Um, leveraging the channel-specific marketing tools. So you talked a little bit about you know, having, uh, uh, knowing when to cut bait on an ad campaign that's not performing, um, but just understanding what tools are available on a per-marketplace basis uh, and leveraging those and at least trying them out is super important because most of the major marketplaces today do offer some sort of sponsored product or promoted listing or mm -hmm. um, some type of retargeting that you can take advantage of. And in some cases, you can get really good deals on, on ad spend. Um, one of the benefits of, of working with Cellbrite and doing offering free two-day shipping on, uh, on Walmart is that you're actually also going to get access to Walmart performance, uh, performance ads. And there is, uh, they basically waive the minimum campaign spend required for it. So you know, mm -hmm. if you don't know about that, you might not realize that there is this opportunity to get into a, an ad program on a very large website and not be committed to spending $1,000 or $5,000. Um, but basically, you can kind right. of start real small. Um, and then uh, I, I have another section on maximizing visibility, and that goes into really uh, some of the tools that we talked about, but also just optimizing all of your listing data your imagery, your attributes, all of the metadata for that listing. Um, and that varies on a per marketplace basis, but making sure you're doing everything you can to ensure that your listing is exposed and searchable by as many customers as possible, because these marketplaces have millions and millions of shoppers, but it does you no good if you are not um, giving everything to your listing to ensure that it stands out and can be found. And then lastly, on my list of best practices for selling on marketplaces, is don't forget your own website. And I put that on there because I don't think I need to um, really uh, beat this message in um, with our listeners today. But it's super important to be building a, a home base for your brand um, as early as possible in your business. Now, this is particularly relevant when I'm talking with or working with a marketplace-only seller um, that may not have their own website, in particular, or a retailer. Um, where they may not understand why it's important. But even if you are reselling products, having a place that you can call your own um, helps build trust and credibility for your business. And it gives you the ability to do longer term um, remarketing and build up a, a customer base because you can't really claim ownership to a marketplace customer. Um, they belong to the marketplace. As somebody that buys on Amazon is considered an Amazon customer and you're gonna get an obfuscated email address um, and Amazon has yeah. rules about what you can and can't send them in terms of correspondence. So, and, and most of the marketplaces are the same. So if thinking as early as possible as you can about uh, building your own branded store is something that I, I always recommend to everybody, um, in particular if you're a marketplace-only seller, um, but that's not going to change. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Uh, and shopping carts are so commoditized these days that you can get a 
you can get a nice looking branded store up and running on your own with no requirement of like agency or development help um, for very little. I mean, it's, it's super okay. easy to get your own website up. So I, I would almost say if you haven't done that yet and you're listening today, make it a goal of having a website launched by the end of the month. And I guarantee you, if you put in a little bit of time, you can hit that goal. Yeah. I mean, and I would add to that, Mike, if you're listening to this and your site is a Wix site, not ideal. You'd be better if you're selling a product to go over and use a Shopify site if you had to do that. WordPress has some great themes. There's so many good tools from BigCommerce, WooCommerce, all different kinds of things you can use that are not really technically difficult. And um, it's really important because your website yeah. is the thing that you you have control over it, you know, and yeah, the marketplace, I totally agree. you don't. I will say that Wix does, though, just to, just to touch on Wix, Wix does make it really easy to build a website, and then you can convert that to a commerce site. So mm -hmm. at least that's a, a start. Um, and, right. yeah, it's always possible to migrate over to a new platform. Um, but even just doing the exercise of creating the website will get you thinking about some of the things that, uh, you know, lessons that you can apply to selling on marketplaces as well. Um, mm -hmm. So it uh, really doesn't matter. I mean, what you use, I, I think that you should, you know, anybody should uh, try to just get something up to represent their brand, to be a home base and to add credibility and ethos. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, we, we integrate very deeply with Shopify. It's a great platform. It's, um, it's certainly more expensive, but it, in the grand scheme of things, it's a, still a pretty affordable um, solution. Um, and, you know, there's tons of integrations uh, and apps out there to support you as well with really anything that you would need. Right. So with that, I want to, I know we, we went long with our going through things, but this has been such a rich conversation. And um, Mike, I know we, we talked about you've got a, a meeting coming up really shortly, but we've got about 10 or 15 minutes for questions, right? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so we still have a bunch of people listening in today, and I promised that we'd have something special for everybody who called in, so um, I'll announce that before we wrap up today. But if you're on the phone line and you have a question about any of this, or about selling online in general, or you know, anything that's, that's in you that you really need to ask, um, press star 2, and that'll let me know that you've got a question and we'll open up your phone line. I'm going to go over to our webcast. So on the phones, press star two to raise your hand. Wow. Okay, that just lit up. One sec. Let me check our uh, our Q and A box over on the website. And oh, perfect. We've got people over there from Connecticut and Los Angeles. So on the the webcast, just type it in the uh, chat box, and we'll see those. So. Okay, on the phone lines, uh, we're going to start with Donna. Donna, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? Perfectly. What's your Hi, question today? So, um, you guys, when you were starting out talking, you were talking about um, the mid-range sellers who are doing like 250 and up. And I am just launching a product. And so I have my own website, and I'm not on Amazon, and I'm not on any other marketplace. And I'm wondering for newcomers into the field what you would recommend. Um, yeah, Mike, well, um, Mike, Donna's product is a travel product. 
Okay. Um, and yeah, so, you know, I, I mentioned that range because typically once you start doing, um, close to that volume, you realize a need for, so for, um, better software help. And then you, you know, find a solution like Cellbrite. Um, but that does not necessarily mean, first of all, that a, a, the right software tool won't help you out earlier on in your journey. Um, because we certainly have a lot of brands that are smaller than that and are still and are really just getting going. Now, in terms of the first step that I'd recommend, you know, I'm going to go back to building that website because I think um, having a home base for your product is super, super important for so many reasons. And the longer you go along, you'll, the more ways you'll figure out how to leverage um, your own property and drive traffic back to back to it. And if you can get repeat customers on your own website, they'll be the most profitable customers you'll ever have. Um, and that's not to say that, it, that the marketplaces aren't profitable. They're just, they come with a specific set of commissions and the unit economics are a little bit different. Um, but so that would be my first step. Uh, and then um, I would spend a little time doing that channel research and understanding where your competitors sell their products understanding where, uh, if there are any specific um, category specific sites to, uh, you know, that support <clears throat> travel products um, that you think would be, uh, you know, strategically important for you. Uh, and then understand what goes into getting products onto all those channels. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, as far as where I would recommend selling, uh, you know, I happen to work closely with Amazon, eBay, Walmart, um, and, and Etsy, those are probably the four marketplaces that we work most closely with, and they're four of the biggest in the world. Um, so I, I would say any one of those could be a good bet. Walmart typically has, um, a, requires you to be doing a certain amount of volume before you can sell on Walmart. So that one I would wait until a little bit later. Um, but uh, I, I don't think you would go wrong by um, getting an ASIN created on Amazon and getting your product up there as long as you're, you can guarantee that you can fulfill orders um, once it goes by, because uh, I mean, it's a very hot category. And um, the last thing you want is to get a bunch of orders and not be quite prepared for that. Yeah, I don't want to add this. I just, I just want to say that my product is, um, is a unique kind of a travel pillow. And when I go on Amazon and I search for travel pillows, or even if I put in the shape of my travel pillow or anything, there's like 285,000 travel pillows on Amazon. So the chances of me being seen are going to be really expensive, I would imagine. Um, it's, well, there def definitely is a lot of competition. Um, but, you know, there are ways to build up reviews and to build up, uh, you know, that kind of visibility. Um, you can take advantage in promotional giveaways for uh, in exchange for product feedback. Um, so that's a very common tactic for uh, getting a product, uh, a new product, uh, some relevancy in the in the eyes of, of Amazon. Um, and then you could also test out a, a paid campaign and um, and see you know what that nets out to and what the unit economics look like. Um, but you're likely always going to have to deal with competition um, in in some shape or form on Amazon. It's a very crowded marketplace. So it's really all it comes back to the product and how, how you can make that product, um, you know, stand out 
uh, and build up its its kind of credibility in the eyes of the marketplace itself. Mm-hmm. Thank you and so much. I just, Donna, I just want to interject sure something here for you. And Mike, um, for your information, when there, a business is a women-owned business or minority-owned, if they are certified, then some of the some of the barriers change and lower because of supplier diversity programs. So Donna, we'll be keeping our eyes out for opportunities for you because I know you're in the mastermind group with us and you are going to get that very special bonus that we added from Mike's company. So there you go. <laughs> um, awesome. So Mike, this is one of the people who's going to be uh, contacting you. We'll give you the name and info, okay? So, Great. Uh, Donna, I'm going to mute your line for your privacy. Our next question is coming from Giuseppe. Giuseppe, you there? I am right here. Awesome. What's your question today, sir? So, thank you very much. Good to be on the call. Um, I was had a question regarding Cellbrite. Is is it a um, is it like a, a service where if I'm already on all these platforms, it's a good way to manage the content, or is there also another opportunity where if we're not on those particular um, marketplaces that we can use Cellbrite to get on those marketplaces? Absolutely both. Um, you know, a, a very significant number of our customers are already selling on the marketplaces where they um, need help managing. Uh, and they'll use Cellbrite to uh, ensure that any changes they want to make to listings uh, happen in a more efficient manner uh, across channels. Also to make sure that inventory stays properly managed so that they don't oversell. You know, one of the biggest problems that we help solve beyond the content management side is preventing overselling, which is an absolute death knell for, for businesses that sell on marketplaces uh, that we touched on earlier. And, um, and so a lot of our customers come to us um, looking for help mainly with that uh, and then realize all the other benefits that we can provide in terms of content management. And, um, it, you know, you may have only a handful of products today and be thinking, well, I've got this one channel pretty well in hand, um, but there's the opportunity to, to expose those products onto new marketplaces. And then there's also the future when you introduce new product lines um, and you, you know, are already familiar with how that works. So Cellbrite in particular helps manage product content helps you create listings on new channels um, or, you know, create new listings for your products, manage them, um, make sure that inventory is, is managed as well everywhere, uh, and then optimize your fulfillment uh, and um, fulfill orders from each channel however you want to do that. Awesome. Just so with that the, take care of you. Okay. So with the, uh, with the fulfillment, that's great, actually. I like that. Um, with the uh, fulfillment part of it, is it also um, where you have like a three, you act as like a three PL, and we just send our inventory there, and and um, and you guys do the fulfillment? Is that what you're talking about? So, uh, sort of. So we are not a three PL ourselves. We are we purely just make the software solution that you would uh, use every day to. Um, you, you can fulfill from our software. You can print shipping labels from Cellbrite, um, or you can send orders to fulfillment by Amazon, or you can set the software up to automatically do it, or you can send them to you know wherever else that you may integrate with the solution. 
we do we do partner with um, a, with 3PL uh, companies so that you can send your inventory there, and then as soon as they receive in the, your quantities, that uh, inventory shows up in Cellbrite uh, and can be you know made available immediately on a marketplace. Um, so it, so it's all connected. We don't do the actual fulfillment ourselves, though. We're just a, a software company. Okay, got it. Yeah, because yeah, I don't know how that was how that would work with Amazon FBA. Yeah, you know, a lot of our a lot of sellers um, use Amazon FBA for Amazon fulfillment, and then they use another 3PL to manage maybe Walmart and eBay, and then they have their own warehouse. And I say warehouse very liberally. Sometimes it's quite you know <laughs> it's quite often just another room in the house, and they um, fulfill orders as a backup or fulfill offline orders or um, you know make private sale orders available out of that inventory. So they have three different fulfillment strategies, um, but it's all almost entirely automated. And, you know, in the case of FBA and another 3PL, it's really out of your hair. You're just looking to replenish as, as, uh, as needed. Um, and it's really easy to do all that with the right software. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Um, so glad that you asked that, Giuseppe. Um, I just muted your line for your privacy. Mike, uh, Giuseppe is also part of our mastermind, so um, he's going to get to take advantage of that um, bonus that we arranged. Yes. So, um, And their company is Infant Tech, and it's a brilliant product. You're going to really love it. So our next question, I think this is the last one we have time for. So uh, this is from Dina. Dina, are you there? Hi, yes, I'm here. Hi. Hi. So I am in a different phase. Uh, I am in like very, 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 very new startup product. And um, in the meantime, I've realized that in order to do some blog posts, I'm basically recommending a lot of other people's products that are safety-oriented to sort of create um, a following for me, for my product eventually. So do you have any tips for mm -hmm. someone starting out with a very small following? I have only about 500 followers on each social media platform to becoming an Amazon affiliate to, to start generating revenue while waiting to bring the product to market. Because I have read that um, once you apply to become an affiliate, if, if you apply too early, they kind of might blackball you a little bit. And I don't know if that's true, but I'm just sort of doing some research on, I don't know if it's too early for me to apply, but man, I really have a lot of stuff, and I feel like I might be able to generate at least some revenue, but more importantly, some kind of a following um, by recommending other products. Yeah, first of all, I, I think that that's absolutely brilliant, and I wish that more people adopted that mindset of trying to generate revenue or cash flow earlier in the business rather than assuming that once the product lands, it lands, then you're, you know, everything is solved. Um, that's the, absolutely the right mindset to have. And I can tell you that it's very similar to what we did with Cellbrite, where I was writing blog posts um, about e-commerce and about the things that the marketplaces were doing. And we had, you know, weekly news updates um, of just what was happening in the industry and then our thoughts on changes that each marketplace would make. Um, and we did that before we ever had a product for the exact same reason, to try to drive traffic um, and to build a following. Uh, and for us, we were still building Cellbrite, and we wanted to try to get people um, into our world to find out about us and maybe sign up for our beta list so that when the product was ready, um, they could be the first to try it. Um, but it's a, it's a proven strategy of content marketing 
that is if if you do that properly and if you know your your niche like it sounds like you do and you have a ton of content that your followers will find valuable and building a following of 500 people uh, and i don't know how long it took you to do it but that's nothing just needs that i mean that's great and that's an awesome start um, but if you can do that that is the most defensible means of driving traffic and building a customer acquisition funnel that you could ever have you know it's not like you when you pay google where each month you have to continue to pay them or else those leads just stop um, when you've done content marketing properly you have a massive organic traffic base and you know and you're able to present your brand in the light that you want it so keep doing that Thank you. So have you, are you familiar with, you know, for, for example, Amazon affiliates when you don't have a very large following, is it okay to just go ahead and try or is it, is it. Um, I've never upon? heard of anybody being blackballed on the, on the affiliate side. Um, I personally have never been in that Amazon affiliate. Um, but I think that, First of all, if you were concerned about recommending other people's products, I, I wouldn't be con too concerned about that. Um, you know, I think that you're, what you're doing is you're finding a potential revenue stream and solving the goal of driving traffic, um, which is the, the far greater and important goal um, in the long run. But uh, I'm not familiar with that. I I'll be honest, I because I'm not as familiar with the affiliate program and because it's um, very tangential to what we do, but not really core to what we do, I am probably not the right person to ask, um, but I can't imagine Amazon blackballing somebody when they drive traffic to their marketplace. Um, that it seems like it would, it doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense on, on how that they would uh, allow that or, or why they would want that. So I wouldn't be concerned. I thought that too, um, and I, no, I did notice that they said, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 keep going. In the, um, in, in the, I, I sort of just went through and was trying to do it, and it said, you know, we um, strongly recommend you have a following of at least 2,000 people, and I don't know if they meant combined or on one platform. They were kind of vague about it, and, it's, and it even said, like, we highly discourage anyone from applying when you have not fulfilled each of these requirements. One of them, which is having your own website kind of thing, like just sort of basic business stuff. But when it got to that, I was like, mm -hmm. oh, why are they strongly discouraging that? And I wasn't sure if they put like a hold on you. So like if you apply, you can't no. like apply again for six months or a year. No, Dina, I know a little bit about this. Um, okay. Because, you know, we we play a little bit in the affiliate side from a couple of different angles. Um, we have affiliate, Amazon affiliate links on our site for like the cash flow board game that I recommend that every, 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 every business player, business owner should play it, period. Um, so One of my you know, we have an Amazon sales. link there. Right. It's amazing. So we have an Amazon affiliate link for that. We have different business books where we have Amazon affiliate links. Um, so we've never experienced a being blackballed. And the following of 2,000 people, that's aggregate over all platforms, all mailing lists, everything. So it's actually a really low bar to meet. Um, they just don't want to, like, you have one person following you and they think that, and you think that you're going to make money from as an Amazon affiliate from the one person that you know in the world. So um, we haven't seen anything where you can't reapply or any of that. So Perfect. I think you're Thank fine. You. Yeah, you're welcome. So Mike, yeah, we have like, one. Like you said, Amy. Oops, hmm? Go ahead. 
uh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, if if anything, I would I would interpret that um, advisory from Amazon as their attempt to try to set expectations for you that mm-hmm. um, you know you're not going to see a lot of revenue if you don't have much of a following because they don't want you to become an affiliate and then get discouraged and then stop doing what you had you know set out to do. So I wouldn't right. worry about any repercussions um, or penalty. Thank you yeah. so much. I don't want to take any more of your time. I appreciate it. Awesome. Dina, I'm going to meet your line for your privacy. And Mike, Dina is yet another Mastermind member. So she is uh, awesome. going to get connected with you as well. So um, I have one quick question from our webcast. Do we have a minute for you to give a few thoughts yeah. on this one question? Okay. So um, I think this came from our listener out in Connecticut, which I think I know who this one is from. Uh, I sell random unrelated products on Amazon. Would I need to set up different website stores for each type of product? Wouldn't I need to sell a lot of products if I had my own online store? So they're they're talking about Um, they sell on Amazon a bunch of products. And they're looking at that. Yeah. You said set up websites. Yeah. Um, well, it, there is some um, interpretation that I would that I would say you should do of what makes sense in a website for your portfolio of products. So if you're reselling products um, and they don't belong to all the same category or they don't have any um, relationship that's kind of evident based on the types of products that they are, where you can say, hey, we're an expert in this category or in outdoor products Mm -hmm. or something that's kind of thematic, then it's still totally possible to create that website. You would just have a slightly different angle. So instead of um, driving traffic um, through a content strategy that's dedicated to your area of expertise, you would um, have more of kind of a market of products that Mm -hmm. you curate. And it could be that you, have, you know, maybe you're selling products for a particular reason. You know, it does, they don't necessarily need to be um, all tied together in, some, in the same category. Um, but essentially, you want to kind of highlight the story of what your products are and why you sell. Now, in some cases, there is no story and you just um, have your own um, market of products that you sell. And that's totally fine. We have actually lots of Sellbrite sellers that have websites that aren't thematic, that don't necessarily tell a, f- a full story, and they are just, you know, their their own um, shopping destination uh, and mm-hmm. their own mark, mart, if you will. Um, so totally doable. Um, it's more advantageous if you do have a cohesive strategy for the products that you sell because there's more things you can do to drive traffic that kind of fit naturally, um, but it's certainly not a requirement. Um, and, you know, there's no... There's no right or wrong way to build an e-commerce website if you can get people to it um, and if they they buy from you. Um, so I, I would encourage you still to give it a try and to try to be as creative as possible with how you separate yourself and you know welcome people into your shopping destination and you know set the expectation of what what they can expect from you, um, whether that is your curated taste and products that they think that you're going to like because you are a follower of X, um, or rather just great deals on products that, um, you know, you have access to. Right. You know, the other way to approach this particular situation for everybody to think this way is you could look at it like you're building microsites or landing pages for the individual projects. 
So say you have a product in pet, right? You have one page of a site for that, and all your traffic about pet products or anything pet-related goes to that. Um, you could have another page for a travel product, mm -hmm. and all your traffic goes to that page for a travel product. And maybe people know they're linked, and maybe people don't even know that, or you build them as sales funnels through you know, some of the different automations that are out there so that you have progressive upsells. So you can still do trackable links on that. You can still do a lot of A-B split testing and, and other more advanced strategies. But think about it like they might be microsites. So they might not be a, yeah, a totally... website that has 10 pages all driving things to one set of products but you might have 10 individual pages with yeah. 10 different categories of product. So, That's a great tip. Thought. And, you know, it's, it's also never been easier to, if you can launch one website, then you could do what Amy is saying and, and merchandise your websites a little bit more differently. You know, you don't need to necessarily have just one catalog on a website. You can break them up and have them be a little bit more thematic um, and, uh, and joined, you know, physically joined or not. Um, that's a, that's a mm -hmm. great idea. Uh, and, you got to kind of be that, you know, thinking that type of creativity or from a creativity standpoint when you're thinking about the strategy and how you would want to um, separate yourself uh, and show off your expertise. Exactly. So, Mike, I know you have another um, meeting to get to, but I wanted to, first off, thank you so much for, for joining us today. And I want to make sure that we have a chance to let everybody know um, what we've arranged with Cellbrite, if they're a listener of the show. So um, can you give them the URL and let's talk a little bit about the special thing that you've done for them? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, after talking with Amy, uh, I realized that there, I think, could be a lot of value in what we do, which is focus on product businesses. Um, for, for any, anybody that's ever worked with Amy or, or, or you know, is fortunate enough to work with her today. Um, and so we have basically taken our standard um, offer and, uh, and extended it. Um, and we normally offer a free trial of our software for 14 days, um, but we're offering any listeners uh, a 30-day free trial of Cellbrite. Um, and in that time, you'll have access to our onboarding team, where um, you can schedule a call to ask any specific questions with regards to your, you know, specific needs, uh, and our team will help you kind of, kind of tailor the understanding and use of the software towards what you're looking to achieve, um, which is optional. It's not required, and in a lot of cases, our, our customers uh, find the software so easy to, to understand and to learn that it's not necessary. Um, but we offer that, and it's and it's completely complimentary. Um, so if you go to sellbright.com forward slash products to profits, and that's all one word, um, you will uh, see a landing page um, for this special promotion, and you can get started with uh, a 30-day free trial of the software um, right from that page. Mike, that is so generous and so kind of you. So everyone, I will send an email out tomorrow with the exact URL um, so that you have that in writing. but. If you wanted to look at it today, go to S-E-L-L-B-R-I-T-E dot com slash products, P-R-O-D-U-C-T-S, and then two, which is T-O, profits, P-R-O-F-I-T-S, 
and you can go ahead and get started with your uh, one month free trial. And if you're in the mastermind group, we've made some additional arrangements with Mike, and we will uh, let you know how that um, should be set up, because I know some of you are going to be starting a little bit later. So, Mike, thank you so much. I, I so appreciate you and everybody over at Cellbrite. Thank you for making the time today. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for all for the great questions. I hope this was valuable. Um, we try very hard to answer any other questions just about selling in general uh, to anybody that uses our software. So uh, if we did not get a chance to, or if I didn't get a chance to answer a question from you today, um, hopefully we'll get to do it soon at some point. Um, but thank you again, Amy. It's been wonderful. And you're so generous with your time. And um, I, I hope we can do this again soon. Absolutely. And everybody, I'm going to open up the lines if you want to say a very quick um Goodbye to Mike and, and anything. So here we go, opening up all the lines. Thank so. you, Amy. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, Doris. <laughs> all right. Thank Thanks, Mike and Amy. That was awesome. Great. Perfect. Well, with that, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks with another um, episode of the Product Business Show. The podcast for this will be up tomorrow if you want to re-listen to it. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Bye for now, everyone. <laughs>